When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to Meet the Manager, our regular catch-up with the best advice from some of the community's top FPL managers of all time. We will focus on those with an incredible rank history. We're adding to that by including managers with an interesting story to tell uh, about how FPL is impacting on their lives. And we'll also focus on managers who are offering something a little different, a little unique to the FPL community. uh, Hopefully this will propel them and us up the rankings. Uh, Today, I'm joined by Dave Perrins, otherwise known as Simple Gull. He's a Brighton fan, but that's not why he is here. He has an excellent career history with three top 1,000 finishes. That's two more than I have, so it must be good. Um, And he's committed to making FPL a family game, running a parents and kids league with some notable fantasy football managers and their sons and daughters taking part. Dave, welcome. How are you? Hi, Joe. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm doing good. Thanks. Yeah, how are you doing? Yeah, good, good. Um, yeah, we, we're taking a, a bit of a break with with the international break. Um, so no scout cast, no um, uh, no captaincy video, things like that. But um, so so it's really welcome for me to to uh, get back behind the camera and do a meet the manager. And um, I'm so pleased that you've managed to join us because there's there's a variety of reasons, as as I alluded to in the intro, for you to join us. Um, and so before we look at your career history and some of your your tips with um for getting a high rank especially with your with your fantastic career record i wanted to talk to you about um your mission to make fpl more family friendly so um i've got here in the notes big and smalls league what is the big and smalls league and how did that come about yeah so um basically i started the big and smalls league um at the start of the season so my friend andy malcolm um who's on twitter as well actually he um he lived, used to live in Brighton and he was visiting and having a chat with him and his son and his son had a team and was saying, you know, this is who I'm going to have in my team. I'm going to have Pats and Daka, his son was saying, mm. um, because don't know why. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my son was like, oh, can I do one? Can I do one? So we decided that we'd start a mini league for me and Andy and our two kids. Okay. Uh, and then I just put out on Twitter and said, hey, does anyone want to come and join this league? And yeah, we got all sorts of people signing up. So we've got Mark Southerns, we've got um ff scout anorak we've mm-hmm. got um fpl lens we've got all sorts of, we've got about 30 or 40 people in the league and um yeah it just start, it's just a bit of fun really just mm-hmm. a way to get our kids involved and to share our passion with them and to make it fun for them really so this is be this is the first season of this it didn't didn't take place last year so um and so it, I, I presume it's it's hopefully go from strength to strength with even more families taking yeah. part um let, let's have a look at the the top 10 in the league so we'll have a look at the top 10 in the league and um and then we can discuss some of the some of the other people in it as well um so th- this is the top 10 of the big and smalls league so uh, it, in the top so it, it, it's mainly mainly the dads so far winning over the children um yes. and so <laughs> uh, we, we got tom butcher <laughs> Um, uh, with AFC Whimsical at top. Um, so where where is uh, the offsprings of Tom uh, in this league? 
Yeah, so yeah, Tom's been leading since game week one and uh, difficult to catch up with. So his son um, is is doing okay. Let me, it's, it's George. Um, where is oh, he? Oh, I've got him now. now uh, 20 see. seconds in the league. 20 seconds. So yeah, so basically we every week we do this a mail out. And so the for the kids, we give out a gold, silver and bronze award for the best three scoring oh. um, kids each week. So there's something to sort of incentivize mm-hmm. them and that they can enjoy. So they get a little reward that way. And then we also in the, that we message out, okay, who's top overall, but who's top of the kids stuff. So um, yeah, J- Tom's been leading the way for the adults. George is doing okay as well. Um, but yeah, it's Anorak's son who is yeah. top for the kids at the moment. So um, Anorak is, is Tim Hill um, and uh, it's Tim's son, Lucas, is uh, top, top of the kids. He's ninth yep. place, 726, um, definitely more than I've got and um, certainly more <laughs> than his dad has got. So where where is uh, Tim in the league? Uh, 13th he is, just scrolling down it all. Um, he's on 718, so not, not much in it, just, just eight points. Um, yeah, there's a few kids ahead of their dads, definitely, um, who are doing better. Like Vinyl Richie, he's another one from the community, and mm-hmm. uh, his son's well ahead of him. Um, and then, yeah, there's a, quite a few whose kids are beating them. So quite a lot of good chat about that on our little group chat. Um, I noticed as well that uh, Mark, Mark Southerns, um, in, a, in a number 18, he's got a red arrow this week with 49. Um, and his son, Billy, um, is dead on uh, with 706 points. So... Billy is it's you know now the the master has become the pupil the father yeah. has become the son in terms of FPL um, yeah so it might be time for Billy to take on the black box co-presenting with as I think maybe oh. because Mark's on the fall and Billy's on the rise and yeah each week we also give out a wooden spoon award to the worst adult in who scored the worst and this week that was Mark for the second week running it was Mark and uh, this week he actually scored less than every single adult and every child including six and seven year olds so not so good okay is it, could you just repeat that last bit again yeah he lost to everyone including the six and seven year olds brilliant okay okay that's fine just 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 in case <laughs> uh, anyone didn't didn't get that um that's fantastic i mean there there is obviously obviously a bit of fun um there yeah. but it's also there's a serious element as as well to this because i know as a parent and as an fpl manager and a, indeed uh, an fpl content creator um I can sit there on my phone and the kids might be talking and I'm sitting on my phone going, who got the assist and how many bonus (laughs) points has that goalkeeper got and and things like that. And and I really shouldn't be doing that, really. I should be talking to my kids. And so this is a great way of involving them in FPL. Is that the case? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's where it comes from, really. So me and Andy talk about FPL in front of our kids to each other and all that stuff. And I think really our kids have sort of just taken an interest in that because we're we're interested in it and talking about it. So it's that thing of like, oh, yeah, what's that? Can I make a team? Can I do that? And I suppose it's that thing of because, you know, you want to get that balance right. You know, we're a bit obsessed with FPL. Mm-hmm. We know that. And that can obviously encroach into family life, like what you're saying. But yeah. hopefully this is a way that sort of, by them showing a bit of enthusiasm for it, we can get them involved in it. And yeah, from my perspective, my son's only seven who's who's in it, but he's loved having his team this season. He's always asking me to change it. So I message the guys before I come on this and they're saying the same thing of just talking to their kids, going through what their teams are like. You know, mostly the kids just get on with it. And um, by the sounds of it, don't take a lot of advice from the grown-ups because, uh, and they're doing fine for it. But um, yeah, it's lovely to actually share what my passion is with my kids. And, got a daughter as well she's only five but um 
she was saying she's now saying oh i want to do one too so right. um, and yeah yeah so she she has she wants to get zuma in her team because zuma is in paw patrol and she knows there's a footballer <laughs> called zuma so he scored at the weekend i was watching the game and she was like zuma so it's uh, <laughs> it's we, uh marcus rashford for example is in is in a lot of teams um and things yeah. like that um i mean when it when it comes to the kids playing it as well so so us adults us massively boring statty nerdy adults are looking at the stats we're looking at expected goal involvement and all these types of things um what what, what's driving the kids decisions do you think yeah so i asked the guys this actually because um i thought it'd be interesting to find out what's going on and how much sort of balance they get and obviously the kids aren't reading the stats but a couple of them apparently are beginning to tune into some podcasts so that's that's quite fun yeah so that's good um and yeah, I think it's mostly, I mean, there was a lot of England players in the kids teams after the summer, because I think everyone, so lots of Mason Mounts and, you know, Harry Canes and, you know, all these sorts of players. But I think um, Andy Malcolm made a good point. He was saying, you know, there's no history for them. So like he was saying to his son, like, Kane could be a good pick because hmm. good fixtures come in. And he was like, no, Kane, he's only got one goal. Why would you ever buy him? Like, that's okay. rubbish. And they haven't got that historical bias, basically, uh-huh. that, that that we do. And I think a lot of it is just sort of, you know, you watch a snippet of a match or maybe the highlights, or whatever, and they just seem to pick the players that, that are doing well. And, and to be fair, it's actually working quite well for quite a lot of them. And, and equally... It's, it's, you know, it's about Pats and Dakar being an Andy Suns team and you get some fairly like irrational picks from an FPL player's perspective. But one of the other guys, um, Invertebrated, who's on Twitter, was saying that his son's going to pick Chris Wood this week because even though his son's a Man City fan, he's decided that he loves Chris Wood and that he thinks he's a great player. So Chris Wood is going in his team this week. So very, very I think wise. it's just very wise. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, maybe it'll work out. <laughs> who knows? But it's just one of these things where I think for them it's just fun and it's an engaging way of playing football and getting involved in fantasy, really. Yeah, definitely. Um, I find it I find it interesting because it's it's uh, as as adult fantasy uh, Premier League managers, we are um, we are bogged down by our history in it. Um, you know, we have got these certain rules and try and and perhaps some of those rules shouldn't be in case. You know, perhaps you should just take a hit for a good player. And why not get that player if they're good? And why not just look at the basic stats like have they scored <laughs> rather than are they expected to score? Um, and I find it yeah. quite interesting to do that. And I think perhaps us as adults could learn something from that and sort of start from scratch, really. Yeah, I mean, there's always those moments where you have to reassess. I remember the season that Leicester won the league and like I spent so long not getting Jamie Vardy in because I was just uh, he's going to stop scoring there's no way that Leicester are going to keep this up there's no way Vardy's going to keep scoring same with Yaya Torre when he had his good season you know it's these players where sometimes we're a bit blinded by our preconceptions I think definitely and um, well let's let's move on to your career as well so I'll put your career history up and it, it's it's a long one 2006-7 uh, which I think is about two or three years uh, before I started um, but we can see you've had you know real mixed bag of, of of finishes, but but nestled in there are these three top one thousand finishes. What I mean, one of which in the top five hundred. One I'm in five hundred and fifth, and you've got two more within the top ten k as well. Um, you've got some others, um, you know, a, a bit lower, sort of the two hundred k, three hundred k mark. But that's 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 a lot of high finishes. So. How would you describe sort of overall your your way of playing? Are you a risk taker, risk averse, uh, patient? You know, what what's your overall strategy? Yeah, I think so. I I basically go for I would say I'm I'm a relatively low risk 
in one sense so you know I don't take lots of hits I'm patient I sort of let it unfold I go bit by bit with the way that I approach the game but actually I'm, I'm quite up for just going for the maximum returns I possibly can so for instance like I'm up for doubling or tripling up on a defensive unit if I think they're going to do well I'll back that you know I'm not afraid to go it all in on something and equally I'm quite up for if I see an opportunity to go against the crowd. So for instance, at the moment, Salah's a very popular captaincy mm. option. I don't think now is a good time to go against the crowd, but there's been other times in other seasons where I've sort of deliberately taken another route and try because I think there's more points in it potentially. Um, and yeah, I'm quite up for, if I think something could happen or is likely to happen, even if it's an unpopular move, then that's something I'll always try and do. So I think that probably lends itself to high finishes or yeah. low finishes okay. because you you because you you can do really well on it and you can get well ahead or you can just crash and burn definitely um my dog obviously approves <laughs> making yeah. making a, a rare <laughs> video appearance for a while i've been quiet for a while um so um looking at those those three top finishes there um what was what, what was common to those three what what made those three such standout seasons and and also, just to follow on from that, what perhaps might it take to push on even further, get into the, say, top 100, win it even? Yeah, good good question. I mean, there's always the thing of like, you know, there's a lot of luck involved, isn't there? You know, you, you, FPL is all about trying to make good choices within a, a sort of a fairly broad set of choices. And then ultimately, it, there's a bit of variance, all that stuff. So there's definitely some luck in the mix there. But I think the seasons that I did really well, I tended, yeah, just to... to get ahead of the curve a little bit I think in, in the, the decisions that I made and then stick with stick with your gut so you know if you think like I said those seasons you know I think one of them I got on the Chelsea defence early and had a lot of Chelsea defence and it just sort of I, th- that just carried me up through the league and you know even like captaining players like Ivanovic who you know people often say don't captain a defender but if you've got say three Chelsea defenders and one of them's Ivanovic and you think you're basically saying I'm backing the Chelsea defense to propel me up the league and you you name it as like this is my way of moving and you're going to live or die by it but actually I remember that one of the seasons like that sort of approach really paid off um and equally like I think one of the seasons I was in the top 10 at one point um in one of my seasons about halfway through trying to chase I was a big man backer was was in front of me that season and he oh, had a wow. very similar team to me mm. and um and I remember trying to differentiate by I went against David Silva and I went for Nasri instead and it's that thing of like it didn't work out I'd slowly drop down the ranks and I got about 500th or something so it, it's that thing of sometimes that's really going to work and if that season if Nasri had have exploded and Silva been a bit quieter then maybe you know I'd be looking at a top 10 top 100 finish but you know that's not always to be and I think you've you've just got to go for those brave choices and, and stick with it and and on the flip of that as well like it's that thing of jumping off players at the right time because mm-hmm. everyone points chases sometimes and I think like Rafinha right now is a good example he's someone who's doing had a really good run the fixtures are turning for him now and it's so tempting to keep him and I'm thinking and sometimes that's the right thing and sometimes not mm-hmm. but I think it's being confident enough to say actually I think the returns are going to dry up and there's another opportunity here so I'm going to go there and not not being stubborn and, and sticking to players just because they've provided returns in the last few weeks, it doesn't necessarily mean they will in weeks to come. Yeah, definitely. Um, in terms of the seasons where it didn't go right, is, is that what you were talking about there in terms of those decisions went in your favour and, and you, you the timing of those decisions went in your favour? And these other seasons, were, were they ones where you took that risk and it just it just didn't pay off? 
Yeah, I think so. I think, I mean, to, I didn't, initially, I didn't take it very seriously. It was when I was at uni playing with mates and it wasn't like a, something that I was, it was just a bit of fun. And then basically after, it sort of slowly became a obsession <laughs> as, it, as it does for many of us. Um, in more recent, the last couple of seasons I've struggled. I've had pretty poor rank finishes, mm. I think. And um, I think there's different factors. Like there's been some bad luck where I've had good luck in good season. I think I had some bad luck in those seasons. Um, but also some poor choices, you know, like impulsively wild carding last season. At one point I had a nice plan in place that probably would have helped me move up. And I got a bit of FOMO. I think FOMO is such an enemy in, mm. in fantasy football. And I got a bit of FOMO of two or three players I didn't have. I sort of threw everything in, played my wild card. It was such a mistake. It, I don't know how many points it cost me, but, you know, certainly probably a couple hundred thousand in rank, I would have thought. And it's so I've had moments like that. Um, had a bit of bad luck with, like I say, like COVID. I played my yeah. wild card the week that the um, lockdown hit. Hey. Um, so I sort hey, of snap. lost my... Yeah, I, oh, did you? Yeah, I, yeah. Exa- exactly the same thing. And it yeah. also completely derailed my season because probably like you, you had a wonderful plan to prepare for a blank game week, yeah. go in on Jack Grealish, etc. And yeah. then suddenly three months passed. We had free, <laughs> we had effectively a free wildcard. And then and then they gave everyone else a wildcard as well. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was just one of those things. I remember the Man City Arsenal game, I think, was the one that got postponed. Yeah. And... Um, I was I'd like I'd set up for this week with all my yeah. extra Arsenal Man City yeah. players and a plan out and it was like don't want those players anymore. But you know I, I'm not blaming the whole season on that. It was it was one of those things. But oh, I, I think <laughs> yeah, I've had some. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, why not? It's like, has it, oh, it hasn't asterisked by it. Yeah. Um, but that I, I feel like um, it, yeah, last season as well. In the end, I got to, to. I remember you having a season like this actually, Joe, like quite a few years ago from the Scoutcast where. Mm. It got to a point where I was struggling. It wasn't, good. and I just started taking hits for fun because yeah. ultimately it's about fun, isn't it? And like I was trying to get to third in one of my cash leagues as well. Mm. And I was just, like, I'm just going to just play the way I normally don't and have some fun with it. Yeah. My rank suffered for it, but yeah. honestly, it's like by the point I don't think I'm going to do very well. I may as well have some fun with it. You do, I, I see a lot of debate about taking hits, um, and 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 I think it, it's a, the the attitude with hits often is if it's strategic. And if it's, you know, one hit, two hits, it's fine. But yeah, the, the, the approach you took and indeed I took as well that particular season is you just do it every week. So it's impossible to climb up the rankings because no matter how well your game week is, you're always about eight points behind everyone else. So yeah, um, it, it, it shows that that, that strategy, um, in that particular season, I did better when I stopped taking hits and I just moved away. I sort of... Yeah. Um, was was uh, I didn't overmanage, I undermanaged. Um, and do you think that um, is a particularly helpful strategy now? Undermanaging, just I'd say that in an era of so much content yeah. and noise, and does it yeah. help to step back? Yeah, I mean, I really think that. So I, I'm not a big person for stats, to be honest. Like I don't go in for loads of that. Um, I I try not to overthink it. I know that people don't like that phrase, but you know. At the end of a game week, I'll often sort of try and make a plan in my head. So come Sunday night, Monday night, whatever it is, I think, okay, I think I'm going to bring in, you know, Jota next week. And basically, unless something really sways me, something really persuasive, some stats, or, you know, someone puts something that thinks, actually, that's a bad idea, then probably nine times out of ten, I'll stick with that original plan because okay. uh, it's easy to blame other, other things, other people. But last couple of seasons is when I've really been much more active in social media, Twitter, all that sort of stuff. And I do think that actually took, it's taken me a couple of years to learn to manage the noise and all of the different stuff and that FOMO and the, oh, maybe I should jump on this play or here's a clever plan. And you, you, you sort of go down these alleys, but 
I feel like so much of it is like you just got to play your own game. And actually, it's a very simple game at the end of it, isn't it? It's, you know, it, you, I think that thing of undermanaging is good. Like it reinforced to me that too many hits is just really damaging to your team. So this season, I really tried to commit to myself that I would take as few hits as possible, which is how I always used to play. Um, I think I've only taken two hits so far. And um, basically, if, if it's all possible, just trying to avoid that, I think is is a good plan, especially if you trust your players more or less. Like, you know, you've got a chance. They've always got a chance of returning when you don't expect it. I mean, it's, it's sort of like going, as you were saying, going back to basics, as you said, taking fewer hits like I used to. And mm. and that brings us back to the kids again, that they're coming to this new. So they're not coming to it with all these preconceptions. And presumably they're not coming to it with hundreds and hundreds of people engaging on, on Twitter around it as well. They're just coming it to, to simply playing the game and playing it with their with their, their dads and mums. <laughs> As yeah, well. exactly. Well, I think probably like for my son, the only sort of voice that he hears about fantasy football other than his is mine. So, you know, he's got one person that he listens to and gets advice from. There's a, a guy in the chat saying, yeah, his, he, he kept an Aubameyang last week. So his son was like, I'm not, why should I listen to you? But, you know, there's plenty of people like that on Twitter, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, think? exactly. They're facing all sorts of stuff. <laughs> exactly. It's, it's wonderfully refreshing <laughs> to yeah, hear yeah, this. Um, just a little bit about your your sort of strategies as well. Do you have a particular favoured formation? I'm, I'm a very 3-4-3 kind of person. I always think... There's a Chris Wood out there I want as a third striker. <laughs> I will I don't want to close the door to Chris Wood. Um yeah. <laughs> so that's that's me. What what about you? What do you have a favored uh, formation? No. So I I would say I not at all in terms of favorite formation and I try and be as flexible as possible. So I usually would try and have two formations in my squad. So if I've got 12 or 13 players, mm. I would never be like I'm a 4-4-2 with just two subs I would try and have 12 strong players normally yeah. so um I'm quite happy to play whatever like I played 4-5-1 this week I'll, I'm happy with with anything so yeah I try to be as flexible as possible with with how I play and just try and follow whatever that season is doing I'm actually looking at moving to a sort of a 5-4-1 as my Ooh. main 11 shortly Okay, well, that I mean that that shows um, about the need to adapt to a particular game. So what what you've got, I mean, I don't know whether whether you think this as well. I think we've got two things going on. We've got something that's been going on for years, which is a focus on wing backs. So defenders like Alexander Arnold are, uh, you know, effectively midfielders. Wonderful, but at the same time, we're having the Giroification of forwards. They're all just becoming that bloke who's in the way while all the <laughs> while all the wingers and wing backs are scoring and assisting, and that does lend itself to four or five at the back. Um, is that? I mean, yeah, uh, it's very harsh on Olivier Giroud, but um, <laughs> no, he's, he's but yeah, wonderful at it though. And <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true, it's true. Um, he's always, I always feel like he's the asset who could have been like a 180 point a season guy, but it wasn't to be. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, I I agree with that in terms of, I think this season you almost have to, well, you don't have to do anything, but like four at the back seems like so obviously yeah. straightforward in terms of points. I think I think forwards will come back at some point. It's inevitable that likes of Jimenez, Wilson, Ings, like, They'll have purple patches at some point, but you've just got to move with it as it is. And at the moment, it feels like there's so much value in defence and midfield that why why go with more strikers than you need to, really? Definitely. Um, yeah, I think I think this is a theme that is going to run throughout this season and in seasons to come. And I think we're going to start seeing even people like me going for um, four, maybe even five at the back on a regular 
places. Yeah. Um, and just just to add to that, Joe, one thing as well, you know, I said before about jumping on and off at the right time and knowing when to go against the crowd. I think that at some point in the season, there will be like a pivot moment where there will be a time to jump on forwards. And I think that the people who see that coming will be the ones who yeah. really get ahead in that window because people will catch up within three or four weeks and everyone will have forwards yeah. again. But I think there'll be a point in the season where it's like right forwards again and picking the right ones and going to the right two or three. Will yeah, be, so I think one of the key things. So, for example, this season, Antonio, um, you know, he's been it's been marvelous so far in real terms and in expected terms, and will no doubt be again. The likes of Ronaldo. Kane, Lukaku, these are good players yeah. <laughs> and they, they may well score at some point yeah. and, and meanwhile you've got the likes of um, Calvert-Lewin who's injured and mm. will be coming back, Bamford coming yeah. back yeah. as well and um, you know and, and the likes of Chris Wood and Armstrong and all of these others as well um, so I, I, I do see what you mean it's, it, it's finding that moment, it's probably not at the moment mm-hmm. could, could be next week, could be the week <laughs> after um, yeah Let's have a look at your game week 12 side. So this is what we've been talking about in action. Mm. Um, so you're currently inside the top 50k. Um, so another great season. Inside fi- top 50k at the game week 12 mark is pretty good, I'd say. Yeah. Um, yeah. Take us through your team here. I can already see five at the back. So yeah, take us through your team. Yes. Yeah. So um, yeah, it's been a good start to the season. I was about... 40k after six weeks and I dropped quite heavily and played my wild card um, and I've recovered basically since then so yeah 541 like you can see I've got the Brentford guys on the bench but quite happy if they come on no problems with that although the form's not great I feel like you know they're good they're good enough assets they should return at some point um, yeah I've got five at the back I'm actually looking at potentially selling Livramento next week I'm not going to sell him before Norwich mm. um, but I think Reese James just looks like too good an asset. Um, and I really believe in the City defence. I think they're going to do really well. So I want a couple of spots in there for that. So my potential transfers this week, I'm wondering about... Um, the plan was always Sun and Jota in. I've got three three plus million in the bank mm. to do Havertz and Rafinha to Sun and Jota. Um, I think I'm going to still stick with that probably. But I'm not feeling particularly confident in Sun and Spurs at the moment. Um but, you know, he's an established asset and mm. I think there's a lot to be said for that. You know, he's he's going to score at some point, isn't he? So um, yeah. that's what I'm looking at, 5-4-1 um, with those two coming in. And then the week after I'd, or in the next couple of weeks, I'd maybe look then at um, Tony and Liveramento to James and Josh King. Mm. Okay. Yeah. And, and Josh King would be uh, presumably a, a good first sub in this setup. Yeah, I'd have basically Bomo and Josh King as my two subs, mm. playing subs. Um, okay. So, yeah, I'm happy with those. And I'm happy to play them when, I, when they've got decent games, if I want to or need to. Yeah, it's interesting about, I mean, this is a very similar defence that I have. Instead, instead, I don't have um, Diaz, I have Cody instead. So Cody's a just a permanent bench player. He's actually come on and got me points um, sometimes. But, but yes, expendable. Um, so... For those watching and listening who've got a Cody, <laughs> mm. it could be anyone. Just name any defender who isn't one of the ones on your screen at the moment. They mm. they might be considering upgrading them to a Chilwell, a James, Reese James, Cancelo, uh, perhaps another Man City um, defender. So, yeah, we could be could be seeing that. Um, what if you are wrong? I always ask that question myself. <laughs> um, Harry Kane, Son, they absolutely fire. Ronaldo, 
absolutely hammers Watford. It's looking looking a must over Christmas. How yeah. are you? How are you going to get to them? That's a great question. I mean, it's good to have a plan out, isn't it? If if needed, and obviously spreading the funds through the team like that isn't isn't necessarily optimal for that sort of flexibility. But what I'd say is Salah looks like I was st- I think he's a, obviously he's a great captaincy option, and it looks like for the foreseeable future there's barely any games where it feels like I wouldn't really want to captain him. And I think one thing is to try and pick like a Ronaldo, for instance, because he's got some good games, mm. pick a Ronaldo or a Kane and captain them as a way of swinging against Salah. Yeah. But I don't want to swing against Salah. I think he's just looking too good. So my way is to say, well, I'll captain him. Is it really worth having a 12 million asset? Even if they score 10, 12 points in a week, can I spread those funds by having, instead of having a Kane, having a Josh King mm. and putting that six, seven million across my team and I think if I'm not captaining them for me I can do that so yeah it, you know if Kane scores back-to-back hat-tricks it's going to be tricky and I'm going to fall in rank but that's where you ha- you can't have everyone and you just have to make your choices and right now I feel like Spurs aren't banging Man United aren't banging neither of them look like teams that I want to back like yeah so I'm happy to go against them it's, it's interesting because that's I mean like with the the emergence of wing backs the you know the the, the dropping off of forwards as assets and not another um, trend within FPL has been do you spread the funds or do you focus on the sort of tried and tested potential captaincy candidates even if you are going for for Salah every week and and I, I guess as as you're saying if you're going to go for Salah every week do you need the likes of Kane and Ronaldo um, yeah. I, I, I'm still sort of unsure <laughs> so I've got a bit of a bit of those players and also spreading a bit and yeah um but um i, mean, I think you could be right here yeah and, and the other thing is i'm interested in your opinion on this but like what's what's your opinion on the likes of captaining like a Cancelo, you know mm. or a reese james i mean they they I, I don't see why that's not an option i've occasionally captained defenders in the past before but it feels like they're better than ever why, why not have them as a second captaincy option uh, why not indeed and with the likes so who are the best attacking FPL who are the best I'll rephrase that who are the best FPL assets in the Chelsea squad at the moment it's Reese James and Chilwell even with Lukaku yeah. back it's those yeah. two yeah. so if you're going to captain a Chelsea player why are you cap- why are people captaining Lukaku and Havertz and Mount yeah. they, they should be captaining Reese James and Chilwell yeah. if they're not going to play then chances are this season they're not going to play at all. It could be a nervous wait if you see them on the bench. Will they come on? Have a good vice-captain. But yeah. the way it's been with Chilwell, for example, is Alonso has either played all the 90 or not. Or not. Yeah. Um, so I think you're right. And I think going back to the kids again, um, going that they they wouldn't think any, they would see, they, they'd watch, maybe watch the game. And they're watching Reese James's amazing pass, which I still can't quite believe existed um for Havertz's goal in the last game week and um they're gonna think well I'm gonna captain that guy who's got a good yeah. fixture next week um and yeah why not I've, I've captained Leighton Baines before and it worked out I yeah. have wished I've captained Alexander Arnold many times mm. um and didn't so I think you're right I think I think yeah, yeah. why yeah, not they're good captaincy options and I think again it just further weakens the argument for Kane and Ren- Ronaldo but when you go against his players you've got to know you know they can go big like Ronaldo's got Watford hasn't he and I think yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if he scored a hat-trick in that game but you can't have more no definitely um I've got I've got some some slides put up I, I wasn't going to put it up but I'm going to put it up anyway it was the expected 
goal involvement per minute. Um, this is sort of um, you know a snapshot really of some of the players that uh, already in people's teams that aren't in people's teams that could be in people's teams that could perhaps leave people's teams. And let's focus on Rafina as well. So his minutes per XGI. Mm. Um, it's every 192 minutes he's expected to be involved in a goal. That's pretty good. That's pretty good. But it's not as good as, say, Salah, who you would captain. Mane as well, who everyone's ignoring, who would be a good way of getting Liverpool points if everyone's got Salah and Alexander-Arnold. And also it shows um, Antonio is still, you know, you're getting on for just over a goal involvement every game. It hasn't been recently, but it these figures show this is full season. It could be again. Um, and then you've got the likes of Jota doing really well and, and Gallagher. Um, so, I mean, looking at some of these these figures here, expected goal involvement per minute and just in general, these these sorts of players. What what sort of players are you considering? You've already mentioned Rafinha ditching. But what Mane, for example, have you, have you locked yourself out of getting a Mane salad double up? I, I mean... I don't. I don't want it. In terms of, I'm happy with Salah, um, and I think Jota is. I, I before, even before the Firmino injury, I had Jota. I started the season with Jota, yeah. even though it was like he's going to get rotated. I've stuck with him quite a long time. I think he's a great pick season long. You know, mm. even if he starts two, comes off the bench in the other one, I think he's going to be great value at seven and a half. I think he's a gift. Yeah. Like you know, he really should be probably like nine and a half or or more. So I'm I'm quite happy with Jota as my third Liverpool asset. So. I think Mane is a good, you know, that thing. Of, if you want to swing against Salah, Mane is a really good pick, and it could pay off. But oh no, my... I was. This is in addition to. I would never yeah. suggest getting rid of Salah yeah, or even yeah. not captaining him. Yeah, but I mean, Trent and Salah are basically as close to essential as it gets. I would mm. suggest, and yeah. then you've got one spot left, and I think Jota's too good value to ignore. But um, in, in in that list that you've got there, like I think Bowen's a really interesting yeah, asset. Amazing, isn't he? I, I think I quite I've got my eye on him for West Ham's fixture swing mm. and actually I think Rafinha and Bowen's fixtures well I think Rafinha's fixtures are quite tricky but I think after Rafinha plays Brentford West Ham come into some good fixtures so there's a, a potential mm-hmm. swap point there Gallagher's another one that's sort of tricky like I one of the questions on my mind at the moment is like, can I justify the 10 plus million 10.3 on Sun when you've got the likes of Bowen and yeah. Gallagher performing so well but I don't really need the money is no. is the thing. No, well, well, let's put another slide up. This is the next eight fixtures. So this this might help you and hopefully those watching and listening make up their, their minds on some of those issues there. Um, Crystal Palace, I've got uh, one bad fixture. Well, is it about Manchester United? I don't think that is a bad fixture for Gallagher. They, fixture. So they've got great fixtures the next eight. Burnley, Villa, Leeds, Manchester United's defence, Everton, Southampton, Watford, Tottenham. I mean, Gallagher could get returns in all of them. Um, yeah. So, yeah, that that probably answers your question. Do you need Son if there's, if you haven't, is Gallagher a better option to get in now over Son? Yeah, I think the tricky, this is where like with stats, I'm not, I do like stats, but mm. I'm not, sometimes I just feel like you've just got to go with your your hunch a little yeah. bit. Like Sun is a proven asset. He always scores loads of points. He's a great player. Spurs are a bit dodgy. His form's not great. But like when you look at those next four for Spurs, Leeds, Burnley, Brentford, Norwich, I mean, for, for an attacker, yeah. other than arguably Burnley away, you really couldn't, you couldn't ask for much more in those four. And it just feels like, I, I think originally I'd thought about save my wild card for this little window and doubling up on Kane and Son and 
I'm quite happy that I haven't done that. But, you know, on paper, it looks almost irresistible. And I think that's why I just feel like I want to get one of them. Okay. Um, looking at those, you mentioned Tottenham's fixtures. They're top along with Manchester United. Manchester United only mm. really have Chelsea as, as a bad fixture. But I, I would say that the Watford's a great fixture. But Arsenal, Crystal Palace, it could, it could be quite poor for Ronaldo in terms of attacking threat in comparison to, say, Son, who has Brentford Norwich. Um, or yep. indeed Palace, who has Leeds and Manchester United, who are actually um, among the worst defences. But look at the way they dovetail. Manchester United, Tottenham. Game week 16... As Tottenham yeah. face Brighton's defence, which we know is great at the moment, Leicester, <laughs> Liverpool, and then Crystal Palace. At that same time, Manchester United have Norwich, uh, Brentford, uh, Brighton, that's the tough one, and then Newcastle. So three out of four, really good fixtures there. Yeah. Um, yeah. Are you, if you're going for Son, would you be looking at, now I mentioned Marcus Rashford earlier, a player like Rashford, a play, this sort of differential that's got good fixtures, you know, a, a kid's pick. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a kid's pick. Yeah, yeah. Could go for that. I mean, yeah, maybe. I mean, I think, I think the thing with Rashford, so I've got Foden and, you know, the Chelsea fullbacks I have, Cancelo, you know, players that are sort of considered rotation risks, Jota. So I don't, I'm up for rotation risks as long as the potential returns are good. So Rashford could be one to look at, I think, if he shows that he's fully fit and getting in the team quite regularly I but the way I sort of operate is in I try to sort of look two two weeks at a time almost mm. and and basically I, I could easily move say if I've got King and Son by that point I could look at moving like King to Ronaldo Son down to uh, Brownhill or something right. so so I think I'll try and save two transfers if I can for that main United fixture mm. swing but under I mean they could go great again but still under Ole I just think it just doesn't look good for them. And sometimes you just got to say like teams are not playing well. And I don't know if I can resist a main night player altogether for that run. I'd looked at De Gea actually, funny enough. I changed my goalkeeper this week, just gone. I bought in Sanchez. Mm. I did seriously consider De Gea because of their fixture run, but um, they're just not looking good, are they? But, you know, if I can be two transfers away from anyone, then that's a decent enough place to be, I think. And, I mean, going, going back to the strategy there, I mean, that shows the benefit of having... Son or indeed Kane or Ronaldo it's just that player that you can you've got that flexibility so you feel that with your well let's go back to your team again um with it with the, with five at the back um it, it you feel it needs a son in there at least a son in there to give you that flexibility yeah I, I mean it's helpful I wouldn't say it's essential but mm. I it is helpful but it's a tricky one because I, you know, if some was six point five, for instance, you know, would I pick him? Mm. And you think, given the way the budgets are, I try not to think of him as an expensive asset mm. as such. But um, yeah, it is helpful in terms of you know to move on and off, um, and to sort of you know some players can be a bit of a bank. And I think Salah's money is not accessible; that's locked up. But someone like Son, his money is accessible. And, and equally, like if I did decide I wanted to jump off a double, I'm, I'll hopefully have double City, double Chelsea mm. defense. So if I did decide to jump off one of those, I could really downgrade one of those to like a Ben Johnson and pull some money out there so yeah if you if say if you're two i always think like, if you've got two free transfers and you can use those to move to any player or, or potentially take a minus four and rejig yeah. a little bit then I, i'm yeah. happy enough with that yeah definitely um it's gonna be interesting what happens in the in the big and smalls league um and it could be that the kids march on so we've got um anorak son uh is in the top 10 at the moment it could be uh by the end of the season that, that Mark's son, your your son, and so on are are the top ten, and and all the dads 
and mums are, are low down in the list as well. Um, I just want to mention as well, because you have, um, I mean, in your, your job as well, um, you have an interest mm. in, uh, you know, helping families and supporting particularly dads. So um, tell us a bit about, about, about your business and, and sort of how it relates to um, FPL in a way. Yeah, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm interested in family stuff in general, I guess, but um, I run a course for first-time dads, so for men who are expecting their first babies. So we do a course that covers everything from, like, how to change a nappy and how to burp a baby and feed them mm. and all that stuff through to what's it going to be like becoming a dad, what's the reality like, what's the good stuff, what's the hard stuff, and sort of trying to help guys prepare for that. Because you know what it's like? It's like mm. it's a huge shift, isn't it, and a huge yeah. change. and. When I became a dad, it, I, I loved it. And I do love being a dad, but I was like, this is full on. And I wish that I'd had a little bit more help and support along the way. So I started that six years ago to sort of try and help men who are going into that journey, just get a bit of extra support for mental health, for their be a better dad, be better for their partner, play a more active role. Like my partner and I ended up splitting the childcare 50-50 and I feel like that was brilliant and I, I just i really want to encourage more men to just em, embrace fatherhood i guess and to get the support that they need to do the best they can so there's yeah so like with the bigs and small stuff that's a nice little bonus now my son's seven you know mm. it's not about nappies anymore it's about how can i engage him how can we have good chats how can we have fun together how can i help get to know him better for who he is and encourage him in the things that he loves and all that sort of stuff so i'm definitely not a parenting expert but i feel like you know the opportunity to have fun with 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 people is great and through what i do with the dad course that's about helping people get a good start and yeah get them off on the right foot for everyone's good really and bigs and smalls is i guess maybe just a extension of my passion for trying to be a good dad maybe but um yeah if people if any dads or mums are watching and want to join the bigs and smalls then drop me a, a dm on twitter and yeah. get involved we're doing it sort of i think it's mostly 12s and unders but you know we're flexible Excellent, and what what a what a fitting um, uh, set of messages uh, to leave um, this episode with. Um, you know the importance of family, FPL obviously, but making FPL and family together important. Uh, thanks so much for your time, Dave. Good luck with the rest of the season. Good luck to your son. Um, hope he beats you, um, and I hope all the other sons and daughters all beat their dads and mums in your league. Um, thanks a lot for joining me. Cheers. Thanks for having me, Jay. Thanks so much.